Now, you guys, um, just reading headlines of a newspaper today um, or a website, a news website, can just cause so much despair. I don't know about you. It's hard. It's hard for me uh, to watch the news. It's hard for me to... Man, sometimes I feel like I'm actually subjecting myself. But what I am, and and the reason I do it is because um, I need to subject myself to reality. And you watch a story like Karen's. I don't know about you, but I watch that story and I just go, that's wrong. That's just wrong. No human being is supposed to be in a situation like that. You're not supposed to grow up, as she said, uncovered. (laughs) Having your mom and dad leave you in the care of somebody else, a a neighbor. That's when that's your job, and you're not supposed to be put under a neighbor who all of a sudden begins abuse at a really young age. That's just wrong. It's not how it's supposed to be. And then after she's 13 and has her own baby, she's dismissed. (laughs) See, that's wrong. And then finding a guy thinking that he would take care of me because we just need that. I want to be taken care of. And he did, as she said, take care of me. But it was at a huge price, huge price. And next thing you know, she's on the streets and it's the drugs and it's this. And she goes, this is the only life I knew how to live. And you just, I just watch that and I go, that's just wrong. See, what happened to Karen was somehow she got under someone else's control. And not only somebody else's control, but then eventually with drugs, she got under something else's control. And she was powerless to do anything about it. To survive, she had to succumb to control and power over her that just isn't right. Now, we have a word for that, and it's called slavery. I mean, really, slavery is when you are now under someone else's control. Someone else has dominion over you, power over you. And so we have, a, just, just wanted to throw up a couple images because whenever we think about these things, we just go, this is wrong. That yellow light is wrong. Okay. No, sir, when we think of our history in America... Um, with slavery, I don't know about you, but it's just, it's appalling to think that human nature could actually do that. That we could actually treat somebody else like that. And in the picture of these humans created in God's image, being just put like sardines into a boat and moved over here and complete loss of their dignity. That's wrong. Or, or whether it was the whole Holocaust And every time we think about the Holocaust and everything that took place, we just go, this is wrong. And you watch these movies and if you, they move you to tears and because you just realize that's not what human life is supposed to be. And then today, so here's Sudan and and we just know, even right now as we all sit here in our freedom around the world today, there are people who aren't free and it's wrong. Now, so we're doing a series on the names of God. And it's going to be in this slavery motif that we find one of the most beautiful names of our God. And I know for me, we actually, each one of us chose a name for this series. And this was my name. I just wanted to be able to sit again with a name of God that helps us to know who he is and what he's like. And again, the whole reason we're doing this series is to help you and I make sure if we're going to pursue God and if we're going to want to get God into our life, let's make sure we're getting the right God into our life. Okay? 
So let's pray. Let me just, let's just ask God to come and open up our eyes and our minds and our hearts so that we can get another glimpse of who he really is. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we, um, we're here to worship you. We really are. I mean, that's why we started this church was to come to you, to seek you, to look after you, to know you, to receive from you. And Lord, we just want to make sure that we're receiving and knowing and giving our life to the right God. So Lord, would you just come today? I just pray you just move right now and just move in our midst and help us to understand the truth about who you are. And uh, may you, and may you, because I know God, you know each one of us and you know what it is in every one of our hearts, mine included, that needs to know the truth about this. So come and you're, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us intimately and personally and also corporately as a church so we can live the life that you've created us to live. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to take us back to this whole idea of slavery because the whole image of slavery is really what we find at the very beginning of the Bible. So in Abraham, the first thing you, you, that you find out in Genesis is that God makes this covenant with this group of people, but he makes the covenant initially just with this guy Abraham. And he says this. He basically is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be yours, and you're going to be mine, okay? I'm going to be your God, and you guys will be my people. And that's how it's supposed to be, okay? I'm the one who created you, and so I love you. Let's get this in. In Genesis 17, 7, he says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant, everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So God just says, we're just going to get this right, right off the bat. I want to be your God. <laughs> and I'm going to make a covenant to you that I'll just, I'll do that. Now, out of his great love, in, in one of the greatest stories in scripture that helps us to see how God is eternal and how he, he has providence. In other words, he can move beyond what we can see. Um, God actually takes one of Abraham's descendants, Joseph, and he puts him into slavery. He actually ends up being thrown into slavery by his own brothers, and he gets taken into Egypt. But what we find in the beautiful story is eventually Joseph was able to look back and go, oh man, my brothers, they intended this for evil, but you intended it for good. Because there was this huge famine that was taking place, and God got Joseph, and he rose up to be second in command in Egypt. So when all of his brothers and all of the Israelites were starving to death, they came and they got connected under his brother and they were saved. They were saved through this whole ordeal. It's just a beautiful picture. Now, after Joseph died and there was another king, it says the king really knew nothing about, actually the word says that Joseph meant nothing to this king. And this king started freaking out because the Israelites were growing. They were multiplying and they were getting powerful. So he put them into slavery. And it was hideous. He eventually made it be really, really hard slavery. They had lost their freedom. They had lost their identity. They had lost their dignity of who they really were. And then eventually God calls a guy named Moses. And he says, hey Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. And now I'm coming and I'm going to do something about it. My people are under somebody else's control. And that's not okay with me. That is not right, is what God was saying. And so he comes on behalf of, behalf of Moses to come and release them. And now look at this Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. This is what he says to Moses Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh. How many of you were here last week? Okay? So you got this. If you weren't here last week, you can, grab the, you can grab the podcast. But we found out that God introduced himself with this term. He said, I am Yahweh. And the word literally means I am who I am. I am so far beyond you. I am all powerful. I am almighty. He is God and there is no other. And he says, say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And you guys, I don't know. I don't know all of you in this room. My guess would be that none of us have experienced anything like American slavery or the Holocaust or what's going on in Sudan. 
or what happened to the Israelites. But when God came to set them free, when he came to be, as he says, to redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment, this became the greatest act in all of Israel's history. And here's the name that we understand about God that is so critical for us to get. God now is our redeemer. He's our redeemer. See, now for you and I, we just, in our culture, we go, redeemer. Okay, that means I get to hand him my coupon, right? I mean, redemption in this, in our language doesn't mean much. But in this case, it was huge because God said, I'm going to bring you back. You, you guys all know, it. remember what he so, said to Pharaoh all the time? Let my people go. Let my people go. They belong to me. They're under your power. That is not right. And I'm going to make things right, and I'm going to bring them back. And man, I, I just, I can't really fathom. Well, I'll get to it a little bit later. Yes, we can. What it's like to have been in slavery and to be set free. And here's what's beautiful. So in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9, we get a little bit more of the explanation of what this was like. It says, Yahweh did not set, and so uh, Moses here is reminding the Israelites of what God had done. And he says, Yahweh did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all the people. Now, I want you to see this because we're going to touch on this later. What he's saying is, hey, you guys, just remember, Yahweh didn't choose you because you were so hot. (laughs) He didn't look down and go, hey, man, look at that nation. They rock. Look at that nation. They're powerful. Look at that nation, man. They've got it going. There's lots of them. Man, if I really came to those people, I could do something awesome. See, what you see here is Yahweh doesn't choose people because of how great they are. In fact, here he goes, you are the fewest. You are the smallest. Perfect. And the other thing we understand here is they were completely powerless when they were in Egypt under the slavery and under the lordship and under the dominion and the power of Pharaoh, there was nothing they could do about it. They were powerless. And he says in verse eight, it was because Yahweh loved you. It was because he loved you. And he kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors. That was Abraham that he brought you out. It's that reason that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that Yahweh, your God, is God. And he is faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So you guys, so what you see here which is so important to understand about Yahweh. When we come to this idea that Yahweh, our God, is a redeemer. Why does he redeem? It's not because Israel's so great. It's not because they're powerful. In fact, it's because they're powerless. It's because they're weakest. And it's because he loves them. He loves them. And it's because he's faithful. God is faithful. And that's why he redeemed them. So in Isaiah 47, 4, this is just a classic thing. You find this all the way now in the Old Testament. Israel, the writers will say, our Redeemer, Yahweh, Almighty is his name. He is the Holy One of Israel. God is our Redeemer. Now, so you read the Psalms, and what you find, and, and by the way, if you're struggling at all in life, and you just need to cry out, you need to know how to handle your doubts, your questions, your fears with God. You read the Psalms. And what you find in the Psalms is when they use the word redeemer, it's always a constant reminder that God is with them in times of difficulty. Because they could go back and they go, remember, our God redeemed us. That means he's with us. He's our redeemer and he's almighty and he's faithful and he loves us. And so even in the midst of their present difficulty, because they knew that God was a redeemer, their redeemer, they could praise him in the midst of their hard times. 
See, now that you can hold on to that one for later. One of the reasons it's important to know that God is a redeemer, that he loves and he's faithful and he delivers, is when you and I go through hard times, we have a God who will redeem us, who will buy us back and get us in our rightful place. Then you look at the prophets, man, you look at Isaiah, and you'll find this all the time. This is what it says. It always will, he'll start off and he'll say, this is what Yahweh, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says. And again, they had found themselves in bondage through, the, through their sin. As a whole nation, they were completely taken over by another country. And the prophets kept telling them, remember your God. Remember your God. Remember your God. He is a redeemer. He is one who will come on our behalf and release you from power and dominion of another and bring you back to himself. Put your hope in your Redeemer, your God. Now, so, um, I, you know, for us, redemption literally is. If I, if I throw out the word redemption to us, and most of us in this room would be church people, don't you usually think of religious stuff when you think redemption? I mean, we, it's, not, it's not really in our culture. And one of the things that's really important for us to understand is back when the scriptures were written, redemption wasn't a religious term. It was just a term. It was just people use this term redemption all the time. And so what God was doing is he's saying, I'm going to take a term that you guys understand, and I'm going to use it to help you know what I'm really doing. Let me just tell you, there's three basic things that you need to understand about redemption, okay? The first one is this. Initially, there's something that's right. There's some, this is just right. There's something that belongs to you. There's something that's in its rightful place, okay? It's like, this is good. That's the first step. The second step is whatever was good and is right is lost. Whatever is yours is not yours anymore. And this is where the whole idea of slavery or of being a captive or of being lost, being under somebody else's power and dominion, and it's wrong. Okay? It's the American slavery. It's the Holocaust. It's Sudan. It's Karen and her life. That's not right. It's lost. It's wrong. So the first thing, something's right. The second thing, that whatever is right gets lost. And then the third part of redemption is it's made right again. It's made right again. And what's interesting, when you, when you really look at the whole idea of, of redemption in the scripture and in that culture, there was always a payment that was made. You could ransom somebody. And we use that word. I mean, if someone is kidnapped, what do they want? They want a ransom. And you have to actually purchase back your child who was stolen from you. And you would do that, right? I mean, if your kid was kidnapped and the person demanded a ransom, I don't know about you, you would do whatever was necessary to go and pay that ransom and bring them back because that's not right. And I'll pay the price so that I can have it back, so I can have my child back. So the illustrations you find in Scripture is sometimes when somebody um, couldn't make a payment on, on their property, they would literally have to give away their property to somebody else. It was theirs. They lost it. But that property could be redeemed. It could be bought back and made to its rightful owner. Worse than property, sometimes people didn't have enough property even and they had to sell themselves. So they literally were so poor that they have to give themselves over to somebody else. But the beautiful thing is, you could always be redeemed. You could actually, if you could, somehow save up enough money to pay the price for your own life, okay, so that you could be free. Or they had this term called the kinsman redeemer which meant it was a relative, and a relative always had a right and even a duty that if someone in your family lost their property or if they lost their freedom, if they lost their life, then you would step in and you would pay the price and you would bring them back to their rightful state. So you go to the New Testament period, and in the very Greek, in the Roman world there at that time, the Greeks, they, 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 they had this. And mostly it was in times of war. If there was a war going on and, and, and somebody was made captive, a captive of war, 
what this is, I didn't know this, but this is really interesting. What they would do is they would just say, great, we're going to use these people as slaves. But as they get people around, they would find that sometimes they actually captured like high-ranking officers. And high-ranking officers were usually too haughty-toddy to make good slaves, right? They just didn't work very well. They didn't work as hard as the guys who were really rugged. So what they realized though is, hey, these guys are worth something. They're worth something. So what they would do is they would communicate back to the land where they belong, to their country. And they would say, hey, we've got so-and-so. Here's the price. And the people could redeem them. And they'd pay the price and they'd bring them back to their country. They used it in slavery, all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, a couple places, though, where we do use it for ourselves. Um, One is coupons. How many of you do Groupon? Okay, (laughs) Right? I mean, when you use Groupon or Living Social or whatever, you're on there and you see something. It's like, oh, that's good. And so what do you say? I want that. Right? Man, I want that barbecue. So what I do is I get online and I purchase it and it's mine. Right? But even though I purchased it, do I actually possess it? No, I don't possess it until I do what? Until I redeem it. I take my coupon in. I go, hey, that's mine. I hand it in. They give it to me. I'm a happy camper. Right? Because what was rightfully mine is mine, and I'm able to enjoy it. That's redemption. The other way that we see it happen all the time in our own lives and in the world around us is people, if if somebody is, um, let me just use a a sports illustration, but it's also uh, in general. So here's Michael Vick. Let's let's take him, for example, if you you follow football at all. Even if you don't, you probably heard about him. Because Michael Vick was this phenomenal football player. Great football player. He's awesome. Really highly lifted up. And then what did he do? Yeah. So then he's, he's totally leading this dog fighting ring. And you know what happened to Michael Vick? He completely lost his reputation. And he lost his freedom. He lost his life. And now what's he been doing? What did he do this last year? He came back out. And what people are saying is Michael Vick is What? He's redeeming himself. He's redeeming himself. See, there's something that was there, and he lost it. And now he's getting it back again. That's redemption. So, now, here's what I want to help you understand. Is, um, did you know that God is your redeemer? He is your redeemer. See, now this is interesting, interesting because we know that he's not our redeemer like he was for Israel. It wasn't just this, this land where somebody owed me, owned me, and I lost my freedom in that sense. But let's take a look. I just want to guide you through, and this is so critical, you guys, for us to understand how he is our redeemer. Okay? Let's start off right here. Number one, there was something that was just right. There was something that was really good. And here's what was really good. When God created humanity, he says he created us in his image. And we were created to be in a beautiful relationship with God. Right? If you're the creator, if anybody's the creator of anything, what do they put on that creation of theirs? They put a patent on it, right? It's like, and that, that is basically saying, that's mine. <laughs> I came up with that idea. Nobody else can steal that one, right? That's mine. <laughs> See, when God created humanity, he said, oh, man, that, that, those mountains, those are good. Those are good. Oh, the, the, you know, planets, universe, that's really good. There's lots of stuff that's good. But humanity, oh, that's mine. You're mine. And he put a patent on us, and he said, you belong to me. And you guys, when that was happening, it was just right. That's what we're intended to be is to be in relationship with him. That is our right place. And I just want to tell all of you in this room, here's the deal. You can walk away from God. You can ignore God. You can even deny that he exists. It It doesn't matter. What God has told us is, you're mine. I thought of you. I created you. And I put a patent on you. You belong to me. And that's the good news right there. So that's where it starts. There was something that was really right. Okay? Now, that got lost. Here's where redemption comes in. What was right and what was good got lost. And what the Bible tells us is we have become under another power. 
We have actually become slaves. There's something else that controls us, and it's we have been lost. And I just want to tell you, it's not right. It's not right. Now, what the Bible says actually controls us and has power and dominion over us is sin. There is a spiritual power that has taken humanity under its grips and actually has got us. And here, let me just read for you a couple verses. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so then the uh, Jews, uh, the Jewish leaders answered him, and they said, Wait a second here, uh, uh, Rabbi. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And, and, and again, if you know the, what was going on here, that was a ludicrous statement. What do you mean you've never been slaves to anybody? That's kind of been your history. You were slaves in Egypt, and you were slaves in Babylon, and you've, you guys have been slaves a lot. And in fact, right now, there's these Roman soldiers that are watching over you, and you're not even free right now. So anyway, they were totally, but I think what they knew is Jesus was getting to a little other thing, and he was pricking at their heart a little bit, and they were getting disturbed. So what Jesus says is this, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Romans, Paul expounded on this in chapter 6. You might want to write this chapter down, read the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a couple verses. Paul said, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. See, so just look at some of these, these, this terminology right here. These three things. The body is ruled by sin. We're a slave to sin. And sin is our master. See, you guys, that's wrong. Now, what's, what, what is sin? Oh, oh, there's a big thing there. All right. So what is sin? So uh, there's another place is what the, the scriptures will say that we've actually become under the power or the control of another. There's a dominion of darkness. There's a, it says, the, the, an empty way of life. Or wickedness. And you guys, really, when you come to understand what sin is, sin is life lived separated from the life of God. Sin is the opposite way of God. Anything that's not of him, that's not right, is called sin. So God creates us, and he creates us in his image. And he created us as relational beings created to love and to receive love. He created us to be like him as he is in his own self because he is love. And yet for some reason, we have been caught up and enslaved by this thing called sin. And it literally drives us to not do the things of God. It drives us and it keeps us separated from him. In fact, I would say In essence, what sin is, in essence, what it is, is it makes me think about myself more than I think about anybody else. It makes me think about myself more than I think about God. It makes me think about myself more than I think about my spouse. It makes me think about myself more than I think about you. Now, let's think about that problem for a minute. If every human on the planet is enslaved by this thing called sin. And we're all living for ourselves more than we live for God and more than we live for others. What's the end result? I would say it's chaos. It's just chaos. It literally destroys us. So what are some of the things that control us? What are some of the things that have power over us? Because I don't know, maybe you're sitting there today and you're just going, man, I just don't know. If I, if I, am I really a slave to sin? I think I'm a pretty good dude. (laughs) But let me just go through some of these things. I was just thinking about my own life and all of us. There's, there's, there, some of us are controlled by feeling good. 
and you can't stop yourself from doing certain things that make you feel good. Some of you, and this can even lead to addiction, but for some of you, sexual involvement feels so good and you can't stop yourself. There's something inside of you that goes, okay, this whole pornography thing is just goofy and it's just wrong. I don't want anybody to know I'm doing it even. I'm trying to hide it and I can't stop doing it. You're enslaved. You're controlled. There's something that's got you. See, there's so many things. It can be alcohol and drugs. It can be just having lots of stuff. But there's something inside of us that says, I need these things and I want to feel good and I live for myself. And next thing you know, I get actually enslaved by these things. You know, here's another one. Don't raise your hand on any of these, please. But, um, but then there's, what about anger? I mean, isn't it, isn't it crazy that you, you can try so hard to not be angry and yet it controls you and it comes out of you and you don't even want it. Some of you are so angry and you don't know why. Or there's bitterness inside of you. Bitterness has got, man, talk about being enslaved. There's nothing more enslaving than being bitter and unforgiving towards another human being. Being bitter at life, being bitter at God. And it robs us and it steals us from our life. Some of us are totally caught up in lying. We can't live in the truth. You are, you are building a complete facade. And, and the really scary thing is as soon as you start to lie, you know what has to happen? Then you have to cover up that lie. And once you've got that one, oh no, you've got to cover up that one. And next thing you know, your whole life can turn into a lie. And then you've got to try to cover all that up and you're enslaved. You aren't free. I mean, there's so many different things. Greed and, and just this, this need for financial stuff consumes you and you don't end up living the real life that you want to. So me at the center, me at the center is the absolute antithesis to the life of God. And, and here's the other thing, you guys, is not only do I destroy my own life and not only do I hurt the people around me, but we're also surrounded by everybody else who's enslaved to sin too. And so we experience the pain from their dysfunction and from their slavery. And you have a story like Karen's where it's like, or maybe your story, where you feel so wounded and so beat up inside, either from your own choices and your inability to control your life and to be completely free to be the person that you want to be, or you've been enslaved by other people's choices. And you know what? Here's, I just want to tell you. We have a God who looks at that and he says, that's just wrong. It's wrong. I did not create you to be centered on yourself. I didn't create you to have to try to live in community with other people who are centered on themselves. I didn't create you to be a slave to your greed, to your anxiety, to your fear, to your anger, to your addictions. I didn't create you for that. This is wrong. As much as you might look at American slavery or the Holocaust or what's going on in Sudan and go, that's wrong. God looks, thank you, God. He looks at the state of our heart and he has the same passion to say that's wrong. And here's the greatest news, is then what he does is he makes it right again. There's something that was right, and that's being created in God's image. There's something that's lost, and we've come under a power, a dominion, and then he makes it right again. And here's the point. You have a redeemer. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So here you go. By the way, this actually is heavy. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to appreciate that you, you actually... Thank you. Oh, I got to tell you, that does. Seriously, I, I was surprised at how heavy that was. That feels good. Anybody ever had something on you like that that you finally got off you and it felt good? Oh man, you guys... I wish you could feel what I'm feeling right now. That actually feels really good. 
Look at this verse with me. There is one God. And there's one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. See, there was a price that needs to be paid. Redemption says, it was mine. Somebody else has it. I'm going to pay for it, and I'm going to bring it back. And Jesus Christ gave himself as the ransom for all people. In fact, Jesus said it himself. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you guys, so the price is high. Seriously, like, so in, that, in the war illustration, you know, if, you, if, it, it was, if it was a general, man, the price was high. <laughs> and so when you look at life, and Jesus says, I have to give you my life, it's because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, why, why God is so adamant to send Jesus into this world is he says, you have completely separated yourself from me, this sinful nature that you have where you have said no to me for years and you've lived your own way and you don't live in my ways. You lie and you're greedy and you're selfish. And even if you're good, you're not really good. You know, I think we all would admit that. He goes, and here's the problem. The wages for sin is death. So the price to redeem is really high. How many of you guys have seen the movie Courageous? Anybody seen the movie Courageous? All right, enough of you that I'm going to go ahead and give away something for the rest of you. Hurry up and go see it. Um, No, but Susie and I just watched it last night. In the very beginning scene of this movie, this guy pulls up to this gas station, and he gets his gas, and when he's done, he realizes his window is dirty. So he leaves his door open, and he walks over to the other uh, uh, station because there wasn't any water with, for his little squeegee thing. And while he's over there getting the other, his, his squeegee into this thing of water, a guy runs up and gr- grabs and jumps into his car and takes off. So he's like, man, you know, he's bolting after him and stuff. And then they go on the street and he's hanging inside the door and he's pummeling the guy and the guy's pummeling him and he's dragging his feet. And I'm seriously, I'm watching this thing and I'm going, dude, give it up. (laughs) I mean, seriously, let him have your truck because other people are coming in the other direction, right? And he's trying to push him out of the car. And I'm seriously, I'm watching the scene just going, this is stupid. So then finally, he's able to turn the, make the guy turn the wheel and the truck goes off and, and you know, smashes in and, he's, and he rolls off and he's safe. And then the guy runs away and, and the, you know, people are there to help him and all that kind of stuff. The guy jumps up, runs to his car, opens the back door, and his little baby boy is in there. And then you go, what? No wonder he did that. See, for the truck, you go, that's stupid. For your son, would you not have done that? I mean, I got chills just watching that scene. Dude, there is no way you would have gotten me off that thing. I will do whatever is necessary necessary to save what is mine and bring it back to me. See, man, how many of you saw the movie Taken? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I, I watched that one. I'm like, okay, that dude was insane. And he was awesome. Because there was nothing that was going to stop him from getting his daughter back. I'm telling you, those are such small, every good movie, every good story always has the story of God in it. And the story of God is he will pay any price to redeem your life, to buy you back from this slavery of sin from slavery of having to live for yourself, which, by the way, is the thing that ruins every relationship, every marriage at its core. If you can dig, 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 dig down, somebody, both people, one person, somewhere, is somehow not loving, somehow needing more than they're giving. The whole conflict in the world, all the struggle on this planet is because of sin. And God looks at us and he says, I so love the world that I'm going to send my son and he's going to come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. He's going to pay the price to redeem you and to bring you back to himself. Now, can I just tell you, that's why I just want to go, praise God. Yes. 
Yes. And the reason I chose this name and I so hope that you understand now the concept of redemption and what it means that God is your redeemer. I just know, man, I've got no hope. My hope is so God and it's so Christ in my life. I just know that he has brought me back. And that's it, you guys. He brings us back. Notice earlier, one of the verses I read, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Titus 2.14 says, he gave, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own and they're eager to do what is good. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, don't you know that your bodies now are the temple of the Holy Spirit? See, when God purchased you and he brought you back to himself, he brought you back and he said, and I'm gonna, I am, I'm gonna bring you back closer than you've ever been before. I am gonna now fill you with my Holy Spirit. You become my child. And now we live every moment of every day. So Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Man, I just, I I look at this, you guys. Here's what God did. You're a slave to sin. And you're gonna keep saying no to me. And you're gonna keep saying yes to you. And it's gonna keep screwing up your life. I'm going to rescue you from that. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And now you have the power to say yes to me. Now you can and I can walk together every moment of every day. Now I can help you love your wife when you don't want to. And I can help you respect and honor your husband when you feel like he's an absolute jerk. And he was. And I can empower you because, by the way, you're a jerk. No, I don't, I don't know if God says that, but I just, but I think he looks at us. But I mean, doesn't he? Doesn't he look at us and just go, you guys are ridiculous. Don't you know how ridiculous you are? I do. And what he says is, I'm going to buy you back. And you're now going to be able to live the life you were created to live. And that's what happened to Karen. Karen was a slave to the circumstances of her life. And let's watch the rest of her story. You know, I would pray, literally pray when I was out there. I remember going to get the drugs, doing what I had to do, prostitution, getting the money, coming back, getting the motel room, throwing the drugs on the bed and asking God, please, please help me. After I got through praying, I would pick the drugs up and just continue to use. It came a point where I was just tired. I was so tired of my life. I was so tired of hurting. I was so tired. I knew they had a warrant for my arrest, you know. And uh, I asked the lady behind the desk, I said, don't you have a warrant for my arrest? And she looked at me and started laughing. I said, I just want to turn myself in. She said, baby, I can't find a warrant. I said, no. The one is there, it's there, it's there, it's there. In my mind, you say, you got this hot $20, you might as well go on back out this door and go on and get you, get you another hit and just go on. They can't even find a war. But something inside of me said, just sit there. And I sit there. And I sit there. And she said, baby, I found it. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you know, I told God, I can't even see the time that they're talking about. I can't even see 25 to life. But God, whatever you do, I don't want to go back out here the same way I came in. Please help me. And I remember, that's when my life in the change. That's when I surrendered. Because I didn't know nothing else to do. 
they had church down there. Church, I didn't do church. But just to get out of the dorm with all those women, I, I went to church. I began to hear what the pastor was saying. How so many times when we're in, um, when we've been through so much in our life, it becomes a cover and it covers our souls, you know. And it just, our souls begin to be just—it's just dark because it's so much that is covering our souls. But he said, what the Spirit of God does and the Word of God does, it be, it comes in and it begins to peel back the covers. And what happens is your soul begins to get light. And you begin to gain strength where you can live. And when he said that, I said, God, this is what's happening. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I knew I had to change, but I didn't know how to change. And God, through his word, began to teach me how to change. I said, God, if you are God... And if you're the God that they say you are, then God, change me. Change me. And he did just that. He changed my life. So you guys, just a couple important things before we dive into our response to the fact that God's our redeemer. The first one is this. Pretty, I mean, I, I love the story that Karen actually said, don't you have a warrant for my arrest? <laughs> Come on, there's gotta be one. <laughs> and what's crazy is, the scripture tells us there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. All people. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. One God, one mediator, who gave his life as a ransom for all people because all people have sinned. Everybody's stuck in sin, and everybody has fallen short of the glory of God, and all people are freely justified by his grace. See, but the question is then, obviously not all people are living in God's kingdom. <laughs> obviously all people aren't living free of sin. Obviously there's a problem here, and here's the point. God says, if you're here today and you're just going, I know this, I am a slave to sin. I say no to God, I'm doing my own thing, and I am separate from him. When Jesus paid the price, you guys, it's like he opened up the prison doors. He opened them up. The chains have fallen. He opened it up. And everybody in the world is, has been made free through Christ's ransom. The price has been paid. All it takes is faith. Just like with the Israelites, God isn't saying, hey, if you get your act together, if you're good enough, if you're powerful enough, no. He ransomed you because he loves you. Not because of anything you've done. But the one step you have to do to experience the freedom and the filling of his spirit so that you can actually now have the power to live free from sin is you've got to put your faith in Christ. You step out of the cell, you step out of the slavery, and you step into Christ. Step out of the slavery and step into Christ. I never thought about this, but I wondered how many Israelites were freaked out by this whole Exodus thing and just decided, even though God was going to totally free them, decided to stay back. And that's the picture to me of our world. And hopefully not the picture for you that God is your redeemer. You're his. He created you. You were lost under the power of another and he sent Jesus to ransom you and to bring you back. And you're his. So as the band comes forward, you guys, here's what we're gonna do. Man, if you're a follower of Christ today, 
I know for me, just for me personally, when I'm in my own normal prayer time, I find myself saying all the time when I start my prayers off, dear God, you are my creator and my redeemer. You're my creator and my redeemer. I just say that to myself all the time. You know why? Because I need to remember that God thought of me in the first place, that I exist because of him. So I matter to him. But not only did he create me, he recreated me. He came after me again and saved me from, because I was on a beeline running away from God, man. I stop and I think about what my life would be like without God and say, oh, Lord, help me. So when I say redeemer in my own prayer time, I'm like, thank you. And I remember I belong to God. I belong to him. You know what that does? Two things. It makes me want to live for him. It makes me want to live the life that he created and saved me to live. And it reminds me when I'm not. When I'm still stuck in my sin and I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to be doing, I remember, wait a second, I've been redeemed. I've been paid for. I've been set free. I've been brought back to God. What am I doing? And I confess my sin and he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me and I can get back up and live the life to love like I was created to love. To love him and to love the world. So as we're, we're, we're going to take communion here together. And I just want you so bad, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ, when you come forward, man, Jesus said, you guys got to remember that I'm your redeemer. So take my body, hold it in your hand, and remember, I gave my life for you. I paid the ransom. And then you'll dip it down into the juice, and you'll remember that he shed his blood to completely forgive you. All of your sin is completely forgiven. It's awesome. So come and celebrate that. And if you have never put your faith in Christ, if today is a day where you're sitting there saying, you know what, I need a redeemer. I believe that I was created for something more. And I have been a slave to sin. No more. I'm going to receive what Christ did, and I'm going to embrace him. If that's you, I'm just going to sit down here. And if you want to come and just pray with me, I would love to pray with you give you a chance to receive the forgiveness that Christ paid on your behalf so that you could live the life you were created to.